0: again back to that lazy manager touch they go table to table to table and if you're gonna go over to somebody go over to them deliberately and then walk away go help us another table go back to the kitchen and see if you need to run some food go do anything else and then come back three minutes later to touch the next table
1: what's up zach oates here author entrepreneur and customer relationship guru Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give An Ovation. I am joined today by Ken McGarry, the principal at Corgan Hospitality, a nationwide restaurant consulting firm. He has over two decades of experience at the helm of many successful restaurants, bars, and entertainment-based venues like Topgolf. You can get some of his inspirational insights in his amazing book, The Surprise Restaurant Manager. And I know that most of you are just listening to this, uh, but I am holding his book here. You can hear me Thumb through those pages. Uh, I read the whole book in two days. It was a phenomenal read. Really quick. Uh, great insights there. Also, loved you on Restaurant Unstoppable. Er- Eric, good buddy of mine. Love his podcast. And uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 806. Go check that out. It's a phenomenal episode. That's like an hour long. This is going to be much more pithy than that. But needless to say, Ken, thank you for joining us on Give an Ovation. I, thank you so much. That was a fantastic uh, introduction.
0: Happy to be here. And I will tell you on that long, long podcast, we drank a lot of bourbon. So I the saw. farther, yeah, the farther <laughs> more you go into it, the more it just becomes rambling. So we'll, we'll definitely be pithy, but concise on this one. So that's great. Yeah,
1: yeah well, well, Ken, that intro was so long. I think we're about out. So we're about, for we're about us out today. of time.
0: Thanks so much for coming. <laughs> My apologies, to Lindsay Buckingham. We couldn't get to you today. Yeah, that, that's great. <laughs>
1: Fantastic. Okay. So, first question is one of the last Mm -hmm. things in your book. You talk about how you tried to break up a fight when you were a bouncer and they legit tried to choke you out with your own tie. You've (laughs) got to just just give us 30 seconds on this one because that was like a crazy story.
0: So, yes, I was a uh, bouncer slash security guard for a uh, nightclub here in Chicago, and they had the brilliant idea that we should wear ties, which become handles when you get in a fight. And I saw this two group of people that started fighting each other, so I jumped in the middle and started doing that whole, like you see on TV, hey, hey, hey. And they just both turned on me and just grabbed me and started choking me out with my tie. No way. And a buddy named Paul Stamper, who I'll never forget, came over the top of that. He was behind the bar, came over the top like a phoenix, and like came down and just started pulling guys off of me because I'm literally getting choked <laughs> down. And I thought I, I pulled it off. as was like, I'm never wearing a tie again. And so that's <laughs> always been a thing. I never be, wear, make people wear ties in,
1: in bars. So. Dude, that is just so wild. Yeah. If you're a bouncer, I mean, I get the look, but come on. I mean, let's like get a little realistic. Yoink! Yeah. That's oh. the only way.
0: That's the only way it should be. If you're gonna do that, we should go invest in clip-on because <laughs> otherwise, it's just, it's just a handle. You're just oh, gonna get your ass kicked. I, so.
1: I love that. So, so bouncers and four-year-olds at church. Clip-on ties. There we yes, go. All of those things. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. So, first of all, uh, I guess second of all, now what what keeps you busy, Ken? Tell us a little bit about about what you do and uh, and how you do it. So,
0: heading up Corgan Hospitality, I have about a half dozen current clients. I've had 18 since we've started. And my day consists of helping people based on their needs uh, some great, some small. Uh, Some people just need a soundboard. Some people need me physically in the space. So this week I've been physically in a space helping out an exceptional uh, virtual kitchen concept that are trying to roll out uh, nationwide. And that's what's keeping me this week. And next week I'll be focusing on something completely different.
1: That's pretty fun. Yeah. I think this is the one we're working with. uh... That is. Yeah. Okay.
0: A food hall. I can actually drop that name. Yeah. Your your ability to have visionary chefs come to your town and via uh, a virtual kitchen and it's doing really well
1: yeah great great concept great team um yeah and that's actually how we initially met and Correct. I was obviously familiar with your with your book and your work but it was cool to to meet in person um, or virtually so one of the things in, the, in your book that I was blown away by because obviously a lot of people call ovation like the digital table touch and we read a lot and we talk a lot about table touches um you have one of the best explanations I've ever read about why, how, what to do, what not to do. So first of all, talk to us about a table touch. Why is a table touch even important? Well, everybody's supposed to table
0: touch. And that's like restaurant manager 101. You're supposed to go talk to your tables, find out how everything is. But that's usually pretty awkward for a lot of people imagine going to a party where you know absolutely nobody and then you have to strike up conversations with absolutely everybody in the room and make it feel genuine so if you're not that person who's who's comfortable with that it takes some time to figure out why you're there and then more importantly to make sure that you're not what i call the lazy manager's table touch which we've all seen time and time again of the person that walks to every table and says how is everything how is everything over and over again? And you know, and you've got food in your mouth and you just see him coming down the, the line. You're like, Oh, he's going to come over here. And then next thing you know, how is everything you nod?
1: Don't come and over to me.
0: That, and then, and then at the end of the day, when the uh, owner says, did you, did you touch every table? Oh yeah, sure did. But didn't do anything because you're not gathering real information.
1: So I love that the the gathering the real information, right? Because you're absolutely right. When you see that robotic mechanical, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make you feel anything like hospitality. What it does is it makes you feel nervous. It's like, Oh, the teacher's coming over to check on my work. It's like, mm. and you want them to go away. Yes. So the first,
0: the first thing that I train is when you ask, ask specific questions about specific dishes and there's a difference in tone when you say, uh, I would, like to love your, I would like to hear about your feedback on the lasagna versus I would love to have feedback on our lasagna. The difference between the oh. and our is the difference between talking about something objectively, like it's a third person, versus taking ownership and asking. And then the other thing that is absolute key is asking a question that cannot be dismissed with a one-word answer. So if someone can dismiss you from the table by going, fine, how's everything? Fine. You enjoying it? Good. that. But yeah. I, I would love your feedback on our actually elicits data. And then most importantly, you have to write that data down and share it with your culinary team. So often people will go and they'll say, oh, I really enjoyed the steak. It's it's perfect. And then metric goes, great. And then walks away. Kitchen doesn't know. Nobody gets feedback. So part of our training is take down data. That nightly log is a book in and of itself, but... You just see trends of 15 people like the Tory. 12 people didn't, five people thought it was too salty. And then that way you can improve your menu by actually taking data.
1: I, I absolutely love that, Ken, because I mean, that, that's the whole reason that we started Ovation, quite frankly, right? Was because there was such a gap in, in the table touch, because one, it's really hard to train staff to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and two, it's really hard to take that data and do something with it. Cool. And I think the, the the steps and the principles that you've outlined just make so much sense. And what do you feel like? Um, first of all, like, what do you do with that data? Like, you know, in terms of how do you aggregate that in a way that's manageable?
0: We literally have the magic. First off, you can't write it at the table. So you'd walk away and then you take notes. We usually do it on our phones. So we make sure that we're not on the floor. So it doesn't look like we're just on our phones. But we use it for nightly logs. So we use different systems to where you go in and under staff notes or food notes or whatever different things you're writing down table 63 enjoyed the halibut was not a fan of the uh caesar salad Swapped for the kale caesar much happier blah 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 so that way you talk about the things that work you talk about the things that don't and then you also talk about steps that you took to rescue that so that other managers learn and say oh that's a really great way of handling that instead of just person didn't like well what did you do about it and then yeah that's that's your weekly meeting that's your time to sit down and go okay Let's pull together all of this and talk about the halibut and how many people liked it and how many people didn't. Is this a good item? Do we need to re-engineer? What are we doing? And then you just kind of build that from there. But too many managers function from this emotional base of, you know what? I think people really like the halibut or people don't really like it. Well, how many people? Well, just people. Well, yeah. that's completely worthless. Thanks for that. <laughs> Thanks for your you know, anecdotal evidence. It's all that is.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is that you may have had a table with someone who was very loud. You might've had a Karen and she is like, this is terrible. Da, ba, 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 ba. And you're like, people hate this dish. And it's like, wait, hold on. 30 people ordered it. And four of them even talked about it on a five-star review. But yes, you had a Karen at your table who hated it. But does that mean that you need to take it off the menu? It's like, no. And so I think that collecting that data is very important. And one of the things that you mentioned also in the book is how you should kind of brace yourselves when you're really ready to start doing the table touches right, mm-hmm. because you're going you're gonna to hear what people actually think. Of
0: course, and if you're truly asking information and digging, because in doing so, people you're going to run into people all the time that will lie to you and just want you to go away, and they don't really want to tell you that there's something wrong with the dish. So sometimes you have to look past their words and see what's on their plate and watch them. I can watch, and most managers can, from across the room and see if somebody's enjoying it. I'll watch the the delivery, and I'll watch for the I'll wait for the two bite check, and I'll say, oh, she is not enjoying that. You can tell because she's looking down, and then she does this like that Mm. and you're like oh oh, she's not and so i'll walk over and i'll say hey you know what i'd really love your feedback on our steak I would, you know is it is it prepared to your liking and then she'll say oh yeah it's great it's it's fantastic it's wonderful and she's wanting to go away and that's called my mom because my mom (laughs) will not tell you in the moment that something's wrong now she will 100% go to her church group and to bridge and everyone else. And she'll tell absolutely everybody there. Um, I went to this place and the steak was terrible. Don't ever go. But she's not going to tell the manager. And she's also probably not going to be the person who's going to review. And it's uh-huh. so odd for me with restaurant people that I say, I would rather have a hundred one-star reviews than for people to just walk away and not ever be able to attract them. That's my, the, the, my mom thing. You're never going to find her. She's never going to leave a review. But thank goodness for people who do leave one-star reviews because we can turn those, we can turn those into five stars all day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's the thing. And even better when those one-star reviews are private, but Hey,
0: you know, like, <laughs> and then you can, <laughs> and then you can boost the, I guess you're, you're not wrong. There's, there's a, there's but, definitely a benefit of that, but that feedback is what you Yes.
1: Want. And I think that's the, that's the essence of what it is, right? Is that so often especially look, if you've been running your restaurant for five years, you've obviously figured some things out, but I guarantee you, there is so much that you're missing out on. If you're not doing something like what Ken's talking about, because there's so much, one of the things that we've uncovered, you know, people will start ovation. And the thing that they say is, Oh my gosh, I had no idea that my customers had so much to say Mm -hmm. and, and then doing something about it. Right. I, I love your process of again going from the very beginning you you see you see who's having a good experience with your eyes first right you don't just go around and and go table by table you talk about the zigzag method tell us a little bit about that
0: yes because again back to that lazy manager touch they go table to table to table and if you're going to go over to somebody go over to them deliberately and then walk away go help bus another table go back to the kitchen and see if you need to run some food go do anything else and then come back three minutes later to touch the next table because otherwise you look like you're part of a process and a a robotic sort of step of service instead of being an actual i have a purpose for why i'm going over to ask this specific question about the specific dish And you can even say we're working on this dish and I would really love your feedback. We just did a new recipe on this one. I would really love to hear what your thoughts are.
1: Because people opens it up. Yes, people are a lot more willing to voice if they're thinking that it's going to help, right? Data shows that a lot of a lot of times people don't leave online reviews because they don't have anything good to say and they don't think it's gonna help they don't think that anyone's actually gonna to, gonna to see it. the people who leave negative reviews they want to feel heard by the public right not by the restaurant and okay. so they, they want to to voice the injustice that they experience because of a, a you know an ice cold ahi tuna which I believe you have eaten I have
0: absolutely it you can, didn't can... you
1: didn't want to take it back because someone I knew didn't... you
0: right. Because I was in a restaurant to where I'd be like, oh, I know that guy. He works at that restaurant down the street. And oh, he's sending back his tuna. And it's probably not. And now in in hindsight, I wish that I was the person who would say, yeah, you know what it is, cold, and do you mind warming it up? With the understanding that the chef probably would rather hear that than not. But I'm a non-commenter. I will absolutely not say anything. But that's also why I find such value in the host stand, because I can fool any server coming over to do their two-byte check. And I can fool most managers on whether or not I'm enjoying it, but I always lose it about the time I'm walking out with my wife and I look at her and go, we are never coming back here again. <laughs> you know? And, and, and if that is the point to where that really heads up host notices that we don't have that same level of enthusiasm that we walked in with, that we train to walk over and be like, hey, I am so sorry to, to, to bother you on your way out, but I just want to make sure everything we experience is great. And if they read anything but exceptional, like, do you mind if I get a manager? And if they say, no, 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 no. Then, Here, take my card, free, you know, come back for a free entree, whatever. We literally empower hosts to do that because the worst thing, again, is the, that person who just goes away and never says anything and just, it never improves.
1: And the thing that you're consistently talking about is how do you empower and train your staff teach them, teach them why, then show me how, about how do you create a great guest experience? And if you want happy staff, allow them to create great experiences for your guests. And then in turn, they'll be happier. They'll feel more empowered and they'll want to stay because everyone, they want to make, they want to feel like they're making a difference. And the things that you're talking about, you know, don't, don't hamstring them that they can't do anything that, you know, train them that, yeah, the host stand, you, you are part of the experience, you know, the managers, how do you make it more natural? And I, I love that concept of empowering the employees to do that.
0: I will tell you something. I have never really put the connection of the dots on any other uh, podcast. Uh, the reason that I got to this is that I took a job in Chicago coming out of New Orleans. And the last place that I had run was a bowling alley. It was a very upscale bowling alley, and I mean, James Beard award-winning mixologists and exceptional chefs. It was a very awesome bowling alley, but it was a bowling alley. And then I went into five-star high-end fine dining, and I had very little experience in that. And I looked around the room at people who are career, and as you probably know, especially in steakhouses, it's like a pact of people who all know each other, and they've all worked together, and they can immediately they could see right through you and go, we know way more than you. And I so bet
1: I, had, I bet you get your stake medium well.
0: Uh, you're a medium <laughs> well plus person. That's what you yeah. are. You're, you're, you use the plus system. Uh, and so I had two choices at that point, which was one, I could try to bolster up and manage these people and tell them what to do, and they would see right through me. Or I would realize, hi, I'm Ken. You know more than I do. We're going to figure out the aspects of responsibility and I'm going to work in my true role as a manager to support you. And from day one, the team was there for me. And then when I needed to lead them, I knew how to do that in a supporting role. And they felt like they were heard. I empowered them to where if they're at the table and they wanted to buy a dessert for somebody or take care of something, then absolutely just make sure that I'm looped in so I can also be a part of the conversation. And it became collaborative. And then finally, everyone got really, really well along because there was no somebody trying to big dog and say, oh, I, I, I know more. And that really, really worked well. And that, that, that was the shift for me that made me say, you have to empower your team or else otherwise it's just competitive who knows more. And there's no, there's no benefit to that.
1: Absolutely. Love that. Uh, so, you know, getting in here to the, to the last fire questions, Um, What do you feel like is the most important aspect of guest experience today?
0: I think it is the, well, that is a great question. Right now, I think the biggest challenge and the biggest opportunity is what's happening with the restaurant culture where we're at. It's no secret that we're at a national staffing challenge and people are coming out and thank goodness for people being willing to come out in droves. But I know places that are functioning at 50% capacity or at least 50% staffing that they had since 2019. And don't get me wrong, 2019, it wasn't easy to find staff, but yeah. it surely isn't now either. And so I think probably the most important thing is an understanding of we are we are recovering, we're building but that this is the time for us to maybe look at new processes in order to make up for some of the deficits that we're finding in, in labor.
1: Yeah. And there are some awesome technologies out there that can help augment, enhance, um, and in some cases, like replace. You know, mm-hmm. I think that Flippy, it's one of those things where if you can, if you could empower your staff to spend more time with the customer, then that's that's money well spent. Um, Absolutely. So what, what are some successful things that you have seen or tried lately? Uh, the biggest thing that I continue to see in rollout
0: is no different than it has been from before and from 20 years back. Is it's still systems that automate and track your inventory management? To me, that's really the drop from a profitability standpoint for restaurants is being able to really get behind understanding the true cost of goods of what they're carrying um, what they should value that at and cross utilization by really, really having a firm grasp on their cost of goods. So to me, that is, that's not new, but I continue to see software that develops that to where it becomes easier and you're not had, it's not, you do it on your phone and it takes an hour instead of used to take a day.
1: Yeah. I think there's some great companies out there that do that. Uh, Ken, any, any, any recommendations that you'd have for inventory management and costing? You know, you know
0: what? I feel like I sound like a commercial, but the reality is that I use Market Man or BevSpot nationwide and it works really well. BevSpot's fantastic for beverage and Market Man is more food geared.
1: Yeah. Actually, we just had, uh, we just had Market Man on the podcast. It was, a, it was a great episode, so check them out. I think that was last episode. Now, lastly, Ken, who deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry?
0: Right now, I'm going to put my ovation out to Nick Boscovich and the High Vibe Tribe here in Chicago. They are a superfood juicery, and what they did in the midst of the last two years is they changed the conversation to wellness and immunity by really, really focusing on superfoods and great juices and also creating a great guest experience for people and a takeaway standpoint so i mean they've done they've done an outstanding job and uh, high high high-vibe.com totally worth checking out
1: awesome nick we're coming for you man way to go excited to excited to meet you well ken for being such an awesome voice in the restaurant industry for helping us out and for uh teaching us how to do a table touch today's ovation goes to you how do people find you follow you and get your book the surprise restaurant manager Uh, Corgan
0: Hospitality is the company. Uh, Amazon.com, obviously. Uh, The best, the reason I send people to that is because the Download version is only 99 cents and it's far more important for me to get this in the hands of people than it is to focus on from a profit standpoint. So if you're interested, you could actually email me, go to my website and I'll send you a free PDF. I just really think at this point right now, the whole point behind the surprise restaurant manager are people are finding themselves in management roles with zero training. And if I can get that information to help people that are there that in that space, then that's my way of helping out.
1: Awesome, Ken. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Give An Ovation today, man. We got to exactly. have you back on. You got We only talked about one of the chapters in your book. We got a whole get we got a whole uh, well, We got 25 we more uh, podcasts that we could do. That's great. <laughs> Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed you're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to ovationup.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.